In this episode of the Tech Tidbits podcast, I sit down for a conversation with George Hanna, CTO of the LA Clippers. If you wish to learn more about the LA Clippers, feel free to check out their website or social media profiles. If you enjoy this conversation, feel free to follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts for more episodes on the ubiquity, applicability, and future implications of artificial intelligence and technology as a whole. So without further ado, here's my conversation with George Hanna. people obviously know what a CTO is in theory, but more tangibly, like what would you say your core responsibilities are as a CTO? And like, what are the big questions on a day-to-day basis that you're trying to answer with respect to technology and the Clippers uh, more generally? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say my role is probably, um, it, it's split between uh, two main functions. One is kind of the, the day-to-day, right? We have the Clippers, they're a basketball team, but essentially a, a small to medium-sized business, big name, a couple of fa- really famous employees that happen to wear jerseys when they go to work. But under under the covers, I mean, we're a medium-sized business, uh, as is you know the forum, right? And uh, so we have regular sort of small to mid-sized business corporate IT functions. I'd say that's a, um, I don't know, 15% of my job, 10 to 20% of my job. Uh, the bulk of my role is really spent on Intuit Dome, uh, and that is uh, the the new arena we're building. And so, everything that has to do with uh, sort of th- if you think of something that gets an IP address, something that has to be plugged in, something that gets power, and something that impacts the fan experience that that sort of that the you know technology is involved in, uh, I've got at the very least a hand in. Uh, at most, I'm totally accountable for. And that, by the way, starts before somebody actually steps foot into our venue, right? So you're interacting with us, uh, our, our digital properties, our app, our website, whatever it is. And so you're, you're coming to us, you're, maybe you're giving us some information, you're buying a ticket, whatever it is you're doing. So that is, that is your first impression of our experience in our ecosystem. And so figuring out what that needs to look like, what sort of experience we want, who are the partners we're gonna have, help us build it all, all the way through, obviously your experience uh, in the arena, parking, getting there, going through security, getting your ticket and your you know entitlement, and all the things that are regular in an arena, but we wanna do it uh, in such a sort of new and innovative uh, way, we want, absolutely no friction. Uh, we want 100% focus on the fan and the fan experience. And we have a North Star of getting getting fans in their seats, right? We, we want you there and we want you there rooting for the team. We want you there early. We want you going bananas the entire time. Um, and we want when you leave and we're going to win as a result of that, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. The team's going to feed off that energy and and we're going to win more games and we're going to win more games and the fans are going to feed off that and round and round we go. Uh, but uh, there's, a, there's a ton of technology sort of elements tied to that uh, from the security systems to the ticketing systems to how that interacts with a frictionless experience, experience which is likely some biometric uh, that we could talk about a little later. Um, but we want uh, to incentivize behavior, uh, right? And that's coming early, getting your seat, cheering, wearing clipper colors, whatever that is. And we want in real time to recognize you did that and reward and incent that behavior. Again, technology is kind of at the center of all that. 
when you leave a game, when you leave our venue for a game or a concert, we want you to say, I can never go to another sporting event anywhere else, or I can never go to another concert anywhere else. Like this was such an amazing experience um, that this is it. Like this is the new bar, and that's our that's our goal. And uh, you know, we are absolutely doing uh, quite a bit to uh, to to hit that goal. And we want, by the way, everybody to think that. So one of the things I like to say is we've spent a ton of time thinking about all aspects of the experience, whether technology is involved or not, all aspects of the experience. And one of the first few meetings I had when I joined a couple of meetings in a row was about the officials. So in a basketball game, there's three officials. Where do they park? What's the path they take to get to their locker room? What does their locker room look like? What path do they take to the court during halftime? And it was just hours and hours of conversation. And these weren't the first ones. This was like a summary because there was a question that had to be answered and we're reviewing all these things. And at the end of the day, I mean, these are actually three people, not, not three that represent a bigger group, like three people, that's it. And we spend that much time and effort thinking about those three people and their experience. Can you imagine the other 18,000, like what we're doing for them? Yeah, no, there's so many interesting things happening. Like even I would encourage everyone to go on YouTube and look at the, the video on the Intuit Dome that the Clippers posted. It sort of prefaces a lot of those details related to the technology that are super interesting. I think one thing that a lot of people are probably curious to know is, you know, given the um, popularity, let's say, of Steve Ballmer as an owner, what has it been like for you to work with someone who is, you know, so well known in the tech industry and is so uh, knowledgeable on all the upcoming trends and things like that, having been at Microsoft before? What is your work relationship like with him? You know, it, it fascinated me. He's, he's obviously a super, super sharp guy. And we would spend, and this happened on more than one occasion, more than a handful of occasions, we would spend, you know, days or weeks on a topic, researching, studying pros and cons, weighing the alternatives, and building our case for why we wanted to go down a certain path or another path. And on more than one occasion, we would sort of start down our okay, okay, Steve, here's what we want to do. And, and hear us out. Like, here's why we think this is the best answer. And he knew, like, he had already, like, in his mind, in the kind of two-minute intro that we gave, he sort of figured out why we would have ruled out the alternatives and kind of summarized it for us. And he's like, yeah, no, that, that's exactly right. He's like, great, I'm on board, makes sense. And I'm like, what? Well, we just spent like four weeks preparing for this. Uh, so... It's he's on he's sort of on a different different playing field, understanding uh, not just technology, but the way businesses work, the way people are motivated, sort of what you know risks that are, could come down the line that we have to mitigate, and just sort of putting all that together in a quick, succinct way and understanding it uh, has been has been fantastic, really, and that. That's that's great in and of itself. I think when you couple that with the priorities, like the the mission, the vision, the priorities were aligned, right? It is it is about the fan experience, and it is about getting fans in their seats and having them enjoy uh, the game. And it and then sort of along with that, it's about serving the community while we're doing it, and it's about protecting the environment at the same time. And so, uh, when you have somebody like that who has the knowledge and the wisdom and the resources, and then wants to dedicate them sort of in the right way. Um, it's just been, it's really, really been a, a fantastic experience for me and um, we'll end up with a, a better arena as a result. Yeah, for sure. It sounds like, it sounds like a ton of fun, honestly. 
Um, so speaking about this new arena, um, obviously a lot of Clippers fans know, and probably more generally basketball fans, about the ongoing construction of the Intuit Dome. Um, so I listened to a video by Steve recently where he spoke about the arenas and how he wanted to design the Intuit Dome, um, not with just today's technology in mind, uh, but also being able to accommodate for tomorrow's as well and have that flexibility. And I'm wondering how much, if anything, you can speak to that sort of technological advancement that you're thinking about incorporating to bring what Steve mentioned with that to life. So we talked about things like biometrics, but more tangibly, what does that actually look like at like uh, the level of the tech in your eyes? Yeah, there's there's probably a, a few different layers to that. If we started sort of the, the most fundamental or, or basic uh, it's the underlying infrastructure, right? And, and network topology, if you will, of this arena. So many things are gonna rely on data, right? Uh, to, to, to make make things go. And so one of the first things I did when I joined a few weeks in, we did a detailed page turn walkthrough with the designers. Um, and so the architects, and I have the sort of network designers and the wireless network designers. So hardwired and wireless network. And so we basically went through floor by floor, section by section. This was multiple days worth of page turns. And I started with, and I started and ended these page turns with this. I, I turned to the wired designers, uh, network designers, and I said, we have to assume there is not going to be a single piece of wireless equipment in this arena. No Wi-Fi, no DAS cellular, no CBRS no millimeter wave, nothing. Everything is gonna be hardwired. We need the backbone infrastructure to be fully capable of handling every single thing we could possibly think of now and 10 years from now with uh, you know, 8K video streams and uncompressed content and users, you know, online gaming in real time, sub-second response times and all the other things. We, we need to find a way to have that all hardwired which obviously is a stretch and you know uh, a phone has to be wired uh, wireless but anyway that was sort of the the direction and then i turned to the wireless team i said we are not going to have a single piece of fiber uh, in the building everything is going to be done wirelessly and not until you leave the building are we going to have some cable somewhere that goes to the outside world and so you have to assume we're running everything all our back of the house internal fan facing front of house <clears throat> um Technology, broadcast, everything is going to be on our wireless infrastructure. And so it has to be robust enough to, to handle it. And not just in the venue, in the parking structure, in the plaza, everyone in between. Now, that's obviously, those are two very diametrically, diametrically opposed uh, positions to take. But that's the, we just want it to handle whatever can come at us. Because we have no idea, right? We have, we think we know what we want when we open the building a couple of years from now. Uh, but first of all, that, that was an evolving thing. Actually, it was three years from when the building opened, but a couple of years after that, who the heck knows? Uh, one, of the, one of the examples I like to give is, um, you know, D Disney has a patent on recognizing shoes to uniquely identify a shoe and, and you can identify somebody walking around the park based on the shoe they're wearing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we may want that. Of course, I have no idea I'm making it up, but how would, so if we have, if we want the ability to uniquely identify shoes, we need cameras, you know, three inches off the ground in the entire arena. How do we do that? How do we have the infrastructure to support a potential need to have cameras three inches off the ground through the entire arena? I have no idea, but I want that flexibility four years from now to be able to do. So build me the infrastructure to support it. 
So, so sort of at every layer, starting from the most basic infrastructure on up, it was all about flexibility. Now, obviously, um, as, as the CTO, right, it's not all about, can I get the technology to work? We can get a whole bunch of technology to work, but if it doesn't deliver for the fan and for the fan experience, then it doesn't matter. So it's not technology for technology's sake, as we like to say, it's technology to deliver on that fan experience, and it has to deliver on all those things. So we, sp we speak about the Intuit Dome and like really improving the fan experience from, um, you know, the people's perspective. And, you know, nowadays, really you're competing against someone just being able to turn on the TV and watch from their couch. Um, I, I saw a stat that at least until 2018, um, the NBA in-game attendance was actually declining from the 2012 to 2018 season. I feel like there's probably a rebound since COVID as people, you know, have realized they may have been taking that fan experience for granted, but how do you compete with the convenience of just being able to sit at home and watch a game on your TV? And when we talk about the Intuit Dome, you know, Steve mentions a lot of issues related to concession stands and washrooms. How does that actually, as a fan, going to the Intuit Dome, how does that change your thinking about, you know, the fan experience in the arena itself? Yeah, I mean, I think you're, you're right, right? Couches are getting cozier and TVs are getting bigger and broadcasts are getting more uh, crisp and, and lively. And so the reasons are, are sort of stacking up uh, to stay in the comfort of your own home and enjoy a game for sure. Um, I think there are uh, there's barriers to going to a game and, and complexities and sort of friction that we're trying to, we'll never eliminate them all, right? But significantly reduce them and I can go into some examples but once you can reduce some of those frictions then you get some experiences that you can't get in your living room right you're not sitting with 18,000 other people going bananas watching your team play and hearing the sights or hearing the sounds and seeing the sights and cheering when they're cheering and you know those those sort of immersive things um, that you're just not going to be able to replicate with a streaming watch party or right with four other people on your screen or whatever, whatever we may do. Um, and couple that with uh, our halo board, which was also, I think, just recently announced. So about a, an acre's worth of LED lights, double sided, massive, massive 4K screen. And we have some some neat, uh, neat tricks up our sleeves as far as the interactivity of that halo board, what you'll be able to see. Uh, uh, Every pixel, we we know which seats can see every single pixel of the forty four thousand, and every seat we know which pixels you'll be able to see, and so planning the content of that massive board, um, again something that you can't rep. There's nothing you can do. Uh, there's no TV in a living room big enough to be able to replicate that experience, and so there's there's lots of things we're going to sort of pile on to make that unique, but we have to reduce as much of that friction that we talked about. So um, one of our goals is, uh, um, well, in one of my first conversations with Steve, it was actually my first one, he, he asked me a few minutes in, how would I use technology to enhance the fan experience? Like, give me an example. So I said, cool. As I, uh, in the, in, the, uh, in halftime of a halftime variant game, I'm gonna walk out into the concourse as our, 15,000 other people and everybody's pretty much going to do one of two things. You're going to go to the bathroom or you're going to want to get, you know, something to eat or drink. And so it would be cool. I know there's a bathroom on either side of the, the, the vomitory I'm walking out of. I don't know which one's closer if I make a right or a left. And I definitely don't know which one has a longer line. So it would be cool if 
you know, you can use some sort of computer vision, density management software. You know, I'm walking, you know where I am, you know where the bathrooms are, you know which one has a longer line. In my app, give me sort of an arrow, like go right or go left, and I will get to the bathroom quick and easy. Uh, so that'd be pretty cool. And he basically said, I reject the premise of that idea. <laughs> so I said, all right, I guess I didn't get the job. Uh, well, why? Um, so he said, you're trying to solve a problem with technology, which in most venues is a good problem to solve. But what's the root cause? Like, ask yourself, why does that problem exist? Well, because everybody's going to the bathroom when they have the window to go during halftime. Okay. And why is it a problem? Which way you turn? I said, well, because I'm not sure how close the nearest bathroom is. He's like, okay, but what's the bigger problem? I said, well, one of them's probably got a bigger line than the other. And I, I don't know which one that is. It's like, that's the problem you're trying to solve for. That, that's only a problem because there's not enough bathrooms. And there's probably the right ratio of bathrooms, right? One to 100, or he's quoted the stat he knew, right? The, the code says we have to have 100 uh, people per one fixture. Uh, and most venues, right, they're obviously up to code, but they're not proportionally located where people are. So most venues, the bathrooms are up high where they're cheaper and not proportionally distributed to where people are. So he's like, not only are we going to have four times or five times the number of bathrooms to people that code requires, which most venues have, we are going to proportionally distribute them. So he's like, at the end of the day, I don't care which way you turn, you're a few feet away from the bathroom and there isn't going to be a line because a few feet after that, there's going to be another bathroom and a few feet after that, there's going to be another one. So I don't need technology to solve that problem. I solved the root cause of that problem by not having enough bathrooms in the right places. Next, like, what's your next idea? Uh, and so really it was about solving the root cause of if there is a problem, right? Or a constraint, solving that problem, not, not, just, not just with technology because we can solve the root cause, use the technology to do something else that's, that's cool or that uh, the architecture of building can't solve. Uh, and so sort of at every step of the way, again, if you bathrooms are not a sexy topic, not a technologically sort, but if you think like that's how much time and effort got put into and money, frankly, right? We don't, we have fewer suites because we got bathrooms, way more bathrooms than anybody should have in an arena because he doesn't want you waiting in line for anything, not to go to the bathroom, not to buy a churro, not to get a hamburger. Uh, so frictionless throughout, uh, whether it's concession, food and beverage, retail, or even a bathroom. Uh, we don't want to be, we don't want there to be line. We want to know who you are, recognize you so that you can get whatever it is you need in a sort of just walk out concession, uh, type environment and get back to your seat. Um, and then if you think about, I mentioned this earlier, we want to incentivize certain behavior. So come to the arena early, stand up, wear colors, whatever it is. Again, if we tie all those things together, uh, you know, John, I know who you are. I know that you got there early. I know you've been standing and screaming for the first half of the game. Um, you know, go grab a bottle of water on us or something like that. Um, and and then can that be can that be as easy as you walk into a store, grab a bottle of water, and walk out without doing anything? And we know you earned that bottle of water because of what you were doing earlier. And so, can we tie all this together? Uh, so that goes well beyond infrastructure and wireless and sensors and biometric. That's our underlying data platform, right? And our loyalty engine that has to, that has to tie all that together. So uh, my role spans, right? The infrastructure layer and the CAT6A cabling to our data platform and CRM and CDP 
uh, and how we tie all those data elements together to really deliver the, the fan experience we're going after. Wow, yeah, th that was a lot. And I think the bathroom example is, I mean, even more relevant, right? Because in a basketball game, it's not like everyone's going, you know, and evenly distributed time periods throughout the game. It's massive influxes at the end of a quarter or a timeout or halftime. So I, I definitely see the, the need for a solution like that. And um, it's interesting to see that even a guy like Steve, who's so deeply um, experienced in technology, realizes that the solution to that is not even necessarily technology itself. It's more architectural or design-based in that scenario. Yeah, and then to some extent, I think that makes him maybe a, the best technologist of them all because he doesn't believe technology should be the answer to every problem. And so uh, I'd say he's saving the technology for things that make sense. And otherwise he's using a little bit of common sense and certainly his influence uh, to, to solve problems other ways. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Other like when you think about like the fan experience concessions and washrooms are a big one in terms of wait times. Are there any other major pain points that you think are are relevant in in the realm of the Intuit Dome and worth solving that you're that you're really trying to focus on? Yeah, yeah. There, there's I mean, there's quite a few. Um, one of the one of the other ones that we're looking at is, is security, uh, right? And so obviously, fans after 9/11, right? There's been an expectation of uh, you're going to get checked and you can't come in with a bag and everybody's going through a metal detector. And some of that existed obviously before a lot since then. Um, in the last couple of years, we've seen, right, it went from security to health and safety with masks and not touching things and cleanliness. And so um, sort of getting people in the venue, what that has looked like, right, vaccine checks or temperature checks or whatever it was, you know, uh, for the last couple of years, um, that's definitely an area we're looking at to see how we can improve it. There's a bunch of, whether it's processes or obviously, because you're talking to me, technology that supports that. Um, there's a lot of those, you know, frictionless use computer vision, AI algorithms and other things like that to detect, you know, contraband things that shouldn't be allowed in. And how can we use that to not just streamline the process and make it faster, but actually make it safer at the same time. Uh, so faster, safer, more secure. My, my dog agrees with that sentiment for sure. Yeah, no, makes complete sense. So obviously as any team in the NBA, you have to work with the actual NBA itself, right? There's a lot of, I'm sure, uh, people and officials that you have to work alongside. And I'm wondering, um, not only what that relationship is like, but what's some of the more interesting applications of technology you've seen from the NBA themselves are related to the game. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, obviously I didn't come from, uh, the sports industry. Uh, and so a lot of this was new and not just the NBA sort of, as, you know, we're a team professional sports team in a professional sports league, but we have a bunch of other, you can call them competitors, um, other teams, right. In our league. And so working with other teams, uh, and working with the league has, has been a, a new experience for me in this role. And I, I, I've got, I've got to say it's, um, pleasantly surprised by on, on all on all fronts on what that's like so i'll start with sort of the teams obviously we compete on the basketball court and basketball operations folks generally speaking right stiff stiff competition they're not talking to their counterparts you know closely guarded secrets on player player development and health and wellness and other stuff like that um but on the business operation side so when you think ticketing and sales and technology and marketing and legal and all that stuff super, super 
open and friendly and helpful, right? The idea is that to, to, to a large degree, we're not in competition with each other. We want to help each other. And the better we do individually, the better we all do as a group. And so there's a ton of information sharing and how can we help? And this is what we tried and this is what worked or didn't work. And so, you know, I was pleasantly kind of a shock to my system, having so many uh, people to go to and talk to and ask questions about. The league similarly, um, uh, extremely willing to lend their expertise and they are experts in a lot of areas. Uh, and whether it's, you know, uh, business analytics, right? Uh, information gathering, technology they use in venue, broadcast technology, other things like that. Uh, not just the things that they do, but also helping to be sort of the facilitator of best practices that they've seen from other NBA teams or even other leagues altogether, professional sports leagues uh, and sharing that. And so they're always there, always available. Uh, you can find sort of an expert on almost any topic. And if they don't have one, they'll, they'll get one pretty quickly. Um, and so all, nothing but positive things to say about how that experience has been. I'm sure there's a, a shadow side to that. I don't know what it is because I haven't experienced it yet, but I'm sure there's some downsides. Uh, I just, I have to imagine there are some. As for, you, you asked me another question. Any like particularly interesting applications ah, of technology yes. you've seen with respect to the game itself, yeah. Yeah, so um, they have been piloting. So, for example, and th this isn't a secret, uh, at the All Star Game, and I think the Nets in, in their arena have this also uh, a camera system made by Canon um, that essentially turns it's it's sort of a three D volumetric view of of a live game, and so they have something like eighty to one hundred cameras, <clears throat> high def cameras pointed at the court. Um, and you know, the court's not that big and to have a hundred high def cameras pointed at it. So basically every uh, in three dimensional space, right? Every square inch is covered by you know, a few cameras. And so on the fly, they're rendering this model. So it's kind of like the game is, you can then watch the game in sort of, it's kind of, it looks like a 2K uh, sort of view of the game, but in real time. And so, you know, you can look at the game from all angles, you can remove, people, right? Maybe courtside, um, courtside fans, uh, and you can pause the game and look, you can maybe replace your image with a player in real time. And so uh, we, we've been checking out technology like that and uh, possibilities as far as sort of the uh, gamification of it. And when, when you think about the metaverse and what could be uh, right, of uh, venue experiences and incorporating live events with folks that, you know, if 18,000 people are at the game, there's potentially hundreds of thousands of fans for that team that aren't at the game. And so how can they be a part of the action and feel, feel like they're, they're there? Um, and so uh, that's a pretty cool one of many, but a pretty cool one that we've been, we've been checking out. Yeah, that is super cool. And I feel like that perfectly leads me into, into the sort of final question I have, which is like, in, in a sort of ideal future state of the MBA, which applications do you think could be most groundbreaking in terms of digitization? So you mentioned things like the metaverse, of course, artificial intelligence and machine learning are already here. We have things like you know sports betting, but also cryptocurrency, blockchain, so many different technologies. Do you see any of those or even all of them as particularly relevant in innovating the way that people experience the game, whether it be in the arena, as you mentioned, or even just at home with that technology that you said with the uh, the 3D imaging? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think you, you rattled off a whole bunch of them. You, I, don't, I don't think I heard NFTs. Uh, I'd probably add that to the list and kind of where that goes remains to be seen. Um, so, I, you know, I think it's, those are really cool technologies. And I think at the end of the day, um, again, it's not technology for technology's sake, but how do those, how can those apply uh, to the fan uh, to enhance not just their experience, you know, in the arena, as you said, but at home. And so I, I think all those, or I'll, I'll rephrase, a combination of those in a sort of application. So I think in and of itself, you can you AI, all right, cool, it's here, it works, we can do right real-time shop probability for somebody watching at home and there's a bubble over somebody's head and say, the likelihood that this shot goes in if he stops and takes it right now, given the game and his opponent and how he's doing and his location on the court, like that's all sub-second, you know, calculations that are being done. Yeah, all right, great, cool, that's, that's cool to see. But, uh, you know, combining that with, some of the other technologies you mentioned, right? Whether it's an NFT of that moment, and now it's you're you're in your you're in the metaverse, right? Watching a 3D, essentially 3D version of that game, and maybe you're in it. Maybe it's on your basketball court in the backyard at your house or your simulated house. Who knows, right? I mean, I'm making all this stuff up, but I think it's putting bits and pieces of those technologies together uh, to bring an application to bear that the fans like. And you know what? That's going to change. And whatever we think it is a couple of years from now is going to be something different a couple of years after that. And so I think what uh, what the NBA has going for it is they're always looking, they're always looking for the next uh, the next latest and greatest technology. And I wouldn't say fads, right? The, I mean, they're trying it out, but really what's going to stick and what's going to resonate with fans. And as they're launching that, they're looking at the next five things. And what are the, what are the next things that are going to resonate? And some of them, right? You, you, let's say we can take NFTs and say, NFTs can be great from a transactional perspective for ticketing, right? And maybe to eliminate ticket fraud, which for the most part is gone, but there, there's sort of practical uh, ways in which that technology can be used. Uh, and then you could buy uh, an NFT of your you know, favorite player's shoe, uh, right? And stick it in your virtual closet or something like that, which doesn't necessarily have a practical purpose, but people may be into it. So, no, it's not just sort of that technology that you've rattled off, but it's how that technology can be used, whether it's for practical purposes or entertainment value uh, and putting bits and pieces of those together uh, to bring that to bear. And I do think the NBA is at the forefront of uh, trying a lot of that stuff out. Um, and I come from Disney, so I, I know what it means to be at the forefront of trying things out and, and to see what that looks like, but they are really, really doing a good job. And uh, we are, uh, I'm excited to be in conversations with them and, uh, Steve is a strong voice at that table uh, with the NBA. And so I think uh, I'd like to say uh, that positions the Clippers well and me well to be uh, in more and more of those conversations to help drive what's possible. Yeah, definitely. Based on all the things we've spoken about, hard to disagree with uh, what you're saying about the NBA and especially the Clippers being at the forefront of, of uh, technology and where, where we see the league going. But uh, yeah, want to thank you so much for taking the time to, to speak to me today. Definitely painting an exciting picture for the future for the Clippers with the arena. Um, I think they said it's set to open in somewhere in 2024. So I'll uh, yep. have to come check it out sometime. Maybe if the Raptors are playing, I'll uh, go head over there and see see what uh, what it's like. 
See, but who would you root for if we're playing the Raptors? Maybe, maybe pick a different team just to make sure you're loyal. There's no conflict of interest. That's right. That's right. Okay. Fair enough. (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, thank you so much for taking the time, George. I really appreciate it. I know how busy you are. So um, hopefully everyone gets as much out of this as I did. And uh, yeah, best of luck with everything. The Tech Tidbits podcast is hosted and produced by John Cameron with music from the Unicorn Heads. If you wish to stay up to date on all upcoming episodes, check us out on our socials. Our Instagram handle is Tech Tidbits Pod and our LinkedIn page is the Tech Tidbits Podcast. We hope to see you back here for the next episode and until then, take care and all the best.